Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Hey, this is Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8-Side Network. Let's get it on. Let's get it. Mike Sempervivi here with you for the next hour talking professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. Actually, there's going to be no mixed martial arts here, just professional wrestling. And that's something we do every single day here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. And however you're joining me today, tune in iHeart, American Forces Radio, sportsbyline.com, over-the-air affiliates like the Mightier 1090, Sirius XM 156 on a replay or via podcast, or maybe you're streaming on Twitch or YouTube. However you're joining me today, I'd just like to say thank you. As always, a lot to get into here as we steam into a very busy weekend. WWE, Clash at the Castle in Cardiff, Wales, along with NXT, Worlds Collide, and of course, AEW All Out. Dynamite was last night. I thought it was a very good show leading into this weekend. Lots of news taking place today. Tony Khan had his big conference call, and we've got some notes on that for you, as well as some news on some personnel changes possibly coming to both WWE and AEW. Bobby Fish's contract doesn't look like it will be renewed, but Braun Strowman may be back in WWE and maybe something that's even better for wrestling fans. Ryan Katz looks like he will be back in WWE in some form. He announced that on his podcast that he has with Road Dog. That is good news for a lot of people because universally, when they started making cuts, he was one of the names that people both past and present that worked with him and were working with him said was a very confusing decision for WWE to make because he was incredibly valuable, but he looks as if he's going to be headed back to the company. And I've got some some very, very sad news for, for many of you out there. Fozzie is going to be postponing their next tour. Somehow, in my mind, there's a, a tie-in with Chris Jericho and Jack Harlow. I'm going to try to figure out how I can put those two things together. I'll do that during the break. We'll be back for Observer Live. Back on the show, Mike Sempervivi here with you, Wrestling Observer Live. Big boss man Brian Alvarez, you know where he is right now. He's coming to Jesus. Have you looked at this man's Twitter recently? 
he posted this morning that it finally hit him. Those boots that he was talking about buying when Dave Meltzer was talking about the passing of former wrestler and boot maker and gear maker Bill Ash, Brian talked about the fact that he's had the same boots for well over 20 years. It finally hit him this morning that those boots are much older than his partner coming up Friday night for Black Label Pro and GCW, Billy Starks, as they face filthy Tom Lawler and Killer Kelly. I have a feeling that you're going to want to stay kind of peeled to Brian's Twitter throughout the afternoon into this evening and into tomorrow as well, because I have a feeling there's going to be several adventures and misadventures that get posted up there, not the least of which is if he actually crosses paths with filthy Tom Lawler in that hotel leading into that, we may not have a match on Friday night. We're not going to have any Fozzie concerts either, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Chris Jericho has a bruised larynx. I'm, I'm trying not to make any Chris Jericho jokes here. Read this as straight news. This is probably good for everybody in the music business. Ah, what, Jericho is said to have sustained the injury at AEW's Quake by the lake on August 10th. He was uh, defeated by John Moxley in an AEW World Championship match that night, and he's scheduled to face Brian Danielson this Sunday at All Out. Uh, Fozzie released the statement on Thursday announcing that they are delaying the start of their Save the World Tour to September 29th. The tour was originally to kick off on September 8th in Columbus, Ohio. All postponed shows have been pushed back to the spring of 2023. So the rescheduled dates can be found at fozzyrock.com. And uh, they make sure to point out in the release that Chris, uh, unfortunately, even though the injury is healing and not permanent, is it unfortunate that it's not permanant when it comes to sing? Ah, look. Chris Jericho and I have had a very adversarial relationship. I have this problem with a lot of people in Western Canada. Lance Storm is another one, although I can actually tolerate him. Don Callis, we're going to get to him later on in the show. That's a completely different barrel of fish or something else that stinks to high heaven. But, yep, Fozzie, unfortunately, uh, (laughs) because of this Jericho injury, he went to a, a laryngologist. I didn't even know there were laryngologists, but he recommended that they postpone the first two weeks of the tour. So there you go. That's the news on Chris Jericho and Fozzie. Chris Jericho, obviously, a lot more important in wrestling fans' eyes with what he does in the ring. And he'll be wrestling Brian Danielson on Sunday. And as always, before we lead into these pay-per-view weekends, Tony Khan has spoke with the media. I didn't get a chance to hear the whole call this morning, thankfully. Our uh, crew over here at WrestlingObserver.com has got all of the notes posted up. I believe it's Josh Nason who put up the uh, information that uh, about Tony Khan's media scrum here or audio presser. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I did have to laugh about one thing, and it's its own separate headline on the website right now. If you go to it, it's AEW's Tony Khan is less optimistic about WWE collaboration after how they've treated him. And this stems, one would figure, from the fact that WWE reportedly had contacted con- uh, talent that was under contract recently, and 
Khan said he was, quote, pretty optimistic when they first made the change, but I'm less optimistic now, given how they treated me. And Tony Khan's been able to work with everybody, you know? New Japan, and that was a real dicey situation at the start of AEW. Impact and AAA, of course. He mentions plenty of promotions and shows clips from plenty of promotions where their talent goes to. Uh, the Pac and the whole deal with Kip Sabian, some of that was uh, over from the UK. So Khan can work with everybody, but... To me, this is always his promoter's mouth when he speaks about ever doing anything with WWE. And I know that they've had detente when it comes to letting Brian Danielson, you know, talk about uh, who who was having the, the ceremony. Was it Rey Mysterio, I believe it was, for his anniversary? Or, or I believe that's what the situation was where they had a couple of people on, including Brian Danielson in, in the big show uh, speaking that sort of stuff, okay, and, and there's, that should happen. But, like, any thought that there's going to be some sort of Super Bowl of wrestling or anything like that, I don't know why Tony Khan even, other than the fact that he's a promoter, even entertains any of that stuff or thinks that he can work with WWE on anything because Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are still on the family tree of Vince McMahon, and they would certainly like it if there may be competition out there but it wasn't on national TV, and it didn't have any money to take any of their talent, and it didn't uh, take away some of the fans' attention, which, of course, AEW has done. So the those two ever working together, I can't see it happening. What I can see more are people that are now signed with AEW wanting to go back to WWE, and we've heard lots of rumblings of that and, and different people that may or may not want to go back you know bobby fish didn't have a whole lot of great things to say recently about uh his situation in aew and in fact i'll i'll jump away from tony khan's comments during this uh, press conference and just get right to bobby fish's contract status which reportedly is not being renewed and this morning on wrestling observer radio brian noted that he believed that today was the last day on that deal he hasn't been on tv since august 3rd uh when he and adam cole and kyle o'reilly were all on tv and uh, that set up the turn of the young bucks which led to eventually kenny omega coming out there and them reuniting Fish had first come to the company only last year. It was October 6th when he made his debut on Dynamite against Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. And when Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly debuted for AEW, it looked as if we were going to get a full Undisputed Era uh, uniting and and doing something, and it never really ended up happening. (laughs) There was an elevation taping in July that he worked, but... What happened here? Weren't we supposed to get the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Undisputed Era? Weren't we supposed to get Fish and O'Reilly matches against the Young Bucks? Against FTR? Weren't we supposed to get FTR and the Young Bucks 3? I don't know what is going on there, but maybe we didn't get FTR against Fish and O'Reilly because Fish and... Dax Harwood don't get along. Fish noted on his podcast recently that he had a backstage altercation with Dax at an episode of Dynamite and also on that show uh, offered praise to Triple H. 
He's also been critical about how AEW had treated him and presented him during a K&S WrestleFest autograph session earlier on this month. So Bobby Fish looks like he's out. Adam Cole is signed in there long term. Kyle O'Reilly is still around. Nobody else is saying anything as of now, but interesting situation here. Roderick Strong, by the way, Fish's uh, partner, uh, does it, apparently is going to be on the sidelines for a little while, too. Uh, gonna, that has not been put out there as much yet, but he may have suffered an injury that's going to keep him on the shelf for a while. We'll see if he's on NXT coming up this week. He's been involved with, obviously, the Diamond Mind and some Issues going on there with both Damon Kemp and the Creed brothers. So we have that situation going on now. It was seemed to be a lock for a lot of people that once Roderick Strong, you know, his contract, which I believe he had renewed sooner rather than a long time ago, uh, once he would be gone, he would be a natural fit to go down to AEW because all of his whole former friends are there and they've been booking his wife Marina Shafir on dark and elevation tapings, but maybe that situation's changed too. We don't know what Bobby Fish is going to do, but if we see him back in the ring, it certainly won't be with AEW. It's probably going to be back in NXT. We'll get back into what Tony Khan spoke about with the media, as well as some more personnel changes, including Braun Strowman rumored to be coming back to Monday Night Raw. We'll be back, Wrestling Observer Live. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying, Cal's a bust, he can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie, I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma. Delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style, the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
back on the show. Mike Semper VV here with you, Wrestling Observer Live. It's Kevin Gates plays in the background. We do this show for an hour at a time every single day, but if you want us 24-7, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Semper VV. The timeline for this show is at WONF4W. The broadcaster is at Sports Byline USA. And if you love pro wrestling, at Mid-Atlantic Pod. We'll get back to Tony Khan's media call here as our own Josh Nason has written up some notes on the front page of the site. Tony did talk about that talent meeting, and without saying WWE by name, did allude to a major point of conversation being that WWE tampering claims with contracted AEW talent that has emerged over the past few weeks. I'm sure everybody has heard rumored names. I think I know of at least two that I would feel comfortable about saying. Yeah, pretty sure that was uh, they were part of that there, but... As I said, I have a feeling we're going to be a lot of this will be meeting its way out here in the uh, the in the near future. Rampage ratings were discussed. Uh, he was asked about those numbers, and Khan said that he had to put his biggest stars and angles on dynamite due to all the injuries this year, and wasn't able to offer big matches on Rampage that he used to. He's excited and wants to reset after this weekend due to the renewed roster strength. He's going to put his full attention on improving the show after this weekend. These are just sound bites that Josh is writing up right there, but even with all the injuries, I ask you out there as wrestling fans, do you believe that he and everybody else has put their best foot forward with Rampage? And is it a... Solid enough excuse that because of all the injuries, Dynamite was the one who needed all of the matches. I mean, if you think of some of the segments and some of the talking promos and some of the things like that that have been on Rampage, I'm not sure if you can put it all, you know, and obviously injuries do play a huge part of this, but I'm not sure if that's the issue for that show, but we'll we'll, we'll see what you think out there. Zero Hour... Uh, the pre-show leading into All Out concept, the reason for that name returning on Sunday is because he wanted to tie in the history of All In and All Out at the Now Arena and something new and fresh. He emphasized that Zero Hour is not just a pre-show, but its own event. He, may, he said he may also add another match on Friday to the pre-show or even on the pay-per-view. Please don't. Three matches on the pre-show are enough, and I think what they have lined up on the pay-per-view is enough here. That's okay. If you're concerned about having not enough matches for Rampage, then maybe if it's a big match or a really great idea, you may want to save it for one of those shows. Uh, Punk Moxley build. Khan did say that the ratings were great for Punk and Moxley and the world title match two weeks ago and that AEW has never done a pay-per-view build like this before. He thinks there's increased interest in Sunday's rematch as a result, and there's been a lot of talk in the aftermath of the quick result. As has been rumored, uh, or I guess is was rumored, and we talked about it here on the show, John Moxley, this idea may have come from him. Fightful Report rep- uh, let us know about that one. And I don't think it was a bad idea. I know there are some people that have been really critical about how this whole thing has gone down, but as a way, especially with everything else that was swirling around with AEW for 
Moxley to get that quick victory kind of out of nowhere. And I think the fact that there was so much else swirling around for AEW at that time, if there wasn't all this stuff about Hangman Page and, and beefing with CM Punk, and there wasn't all this stuff about Eddie and Sammy and this meeting and that meeting and all this other stuff, I have a feeling that maybe this would have been a little bit more impactful but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Ace Steel came on last night. It all made for great TV. We're having the match we originally thought we were going to have. And for a guy that lost in his hometown the last time around to MJF, CM Punk walking out of there on Sunday with that championship probably would be a good idea. Khan said that Punk and FDR were originally set to face Will Will Ospreay and Aussie Open several weeks before Forbidden Door. He also said he had a Punk-Hiroshi-Tanahashi tag team match idea that would have been a match of the year candidate given the opponents that he still may do at some point. Well, you put Hiroshi Tanahashi in any match with almost anybody, there's a really good chance you're going to get a match of the year candidate. So if you want to listen to the full audio, it is up on the site. Just go ahead and click on the Tony Khan media call uh, link that Josh has up there, and it's at the bottom over those highlights that I just read, and you can hear all of Tony's words uh, in his own voice, uh, talking about everything leading in to Sunday's All Out. We spoke about Bobby Fish's AEW situation, and I did mention at the top of the show, Ryan Katz looks like he's going to be returning to WWE. He worked as a creative producer in NXT from 2015 up until January of this year, uh, when he was let go, after that, he started co-hosting the Oh You Didn't Know podcast with Road Dog. And during the most recent episode, uh, the two were talking about their release from WWE. They were actually released on the same day as part of those NXT cuts and actually confirmed that Katz would be headed back to WWE in some way. Uh, he noted that he wasn't sure what he was going to be doing for WWE upon his return, but mentioned that he's supposed to start on Thursday, uh, was supposed to start on Thursday, but the return was pushed back a little bit. And uh, so there you go. You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, he was one of those guys creatively that everybody had something positive to say about once the releases were done. He was one of the names that... People thought, like, a, you know, Pat Buck left. It was a little bit of a different situation because Pat Buck put in his resignation and then immediately went to go work with AEW uh, when all that stuff was said and done and the dust cleared because there was no wait for him. He was able to just move right in because he was an agent, and there were a lot of people that were curious as to if Ryan Katz would be contacted by AEW or would show up there because of his reputation, but that ended up not being the case. He started doing the podcast with Road Dog, and now it looks like he is back uh, in WWE. So another person that Triple H had relied on when he was running NXT is now back in the fold for him. Braun Strowman? Well, he's a little bit more polarizing, at least when it comes to the fans and some of the reaction that I've seen online today. According to a report from PW Insider, multiple sources are confirming that the former Universal Champion is scheduled to be in Kansas City on Monday night for Raw. Earlier on this week, Fightful Select had reported that WWE discussed the idea of Strowman's return. WWE sources have reportedly said that to 
currently uh, looks ring ready and better now than when he was in WWE. Well, he's had the time to work out. I'm not sure how many shows that control your narrative have run, but he's had a little bit of free time on his hands to go fishing and grill meats and, and pump iron, I guess. During his time away from WWE, he did wrestle for Control Your Narrative and also popped up on ROH's final battle pay-per-view last December. Um, here's the thing with Strowman. Yeah, he is, uh, as we were talking about yesterday with Brian, I mean, yeah, he's more mobile and uh, a far better professional wrestling character than some of the other giants that they have him walking right back in uh, much like w morrissey into aew i mean there's a position for him there's a spot for him when it comes to aew i mean what else you got you got satnam singh you got lance archer you got wardlow well you know w morrissey's now he is not as good as lance archer but he's a lot younger satnam singh's not even anywhere near ready yet and you need to have somebody else. It's okay to have two giants, especially if they kind of stay on, you know, opposite sides of each other for a while, and you can build some up, something up between a Wardlow and a Morrissey. To me, that's fine. With Braun Strowman, same sort of situation. He's one of those guys like Karrion Cross. He's one of those guys like Dexter Loomis that, let's see what we do here with him, because is he going to sign for three years, five years? I don't know if I want to see Braun Strowman for three or five years. You know, if he signs for a relatively short-term deal or if he only signs for a year, okay, let's see what we can get out of him. But I'm trying to think that – I'm trying to think of a situation that I want to see Braun Strowman in. I want I'm trying to think of a feud that I want to see Braun Strowman in, and I'm, I'm not sure it's there, even hossing about with guys. I mean, we got Walter now. We have guys who can work a lot better, who can – I'm not saying hit a lot harder, although in the case of Walter, he absolutely can. But, I mean, T-Bar, we've had Donovan Dijak there for a long time, and he hasn't been utilized. I know he's been teaming up with Shelton Benjamin on on whatever their version of heat or metal or jacked or whatever they call it now, velocity, whatever the hell they call the show, main event. I know he's been on there, but he's one of those guys where it's like, oh, why not give him the shot? I don't know. Looks like Solo Sokoa is going to be getting a shot, though, which, thank God, hopefully they change his name and he can become an Uso, considering, you know, he's brothers with Jimmy and Jey Uso and the son of Rikishi. But PW Insider, I believe, officially broke this news. I know Fightful Select had confirmed it. They had talked about it a while ago. I know people at this site, for sure, have been uh, told the same thing, that his call-up is imminent. Um, it may even mean, uh, he makes an appearance, uh, for tonight's or, uh, tomorrow night's SmackDown at, at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. He hasn't wrestled, uh, since August 2nd. And by the way, that show was taped last week, but I'm not sure what they're going to be actually inserting into the show. He hasn't wrestled since August 2nd when he was reportedly sidelined with a PCL strain that he suffered during the Falls Count Anywhere match against Vaughn Wagner. So, that is it for that. We'll get into the AE other AEW Dynamite review as well as a few other things when we get back from break. Wrestling Observer Live. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort, and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota Dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Uh, back on the show, Mike Semper, BB here with you. Wrestling Observer Live will be with, here with you solo tomorrow as well as Brian Reddy's up for his match on Friday night alongside Billy Starks against our own filthy Tom Lawler and Killer Kelly. A whole bunch of other matches on that BLPGCW card as well, but that's the only one you need to see. It's <laughs> see what happens with Brian. See how bad he cowers behind a young girl's back as Filthy Tom comes to get him. You know, let's be honest here, Killer Kelly might be able to take Brian out as well. So Billy Starks, girl, you still got time to try to find a new partner or get yourself out of this thing somehow. I think all this trans all these transportation issues she apparently is having on Twitter. I think those are second thoughts. She's trying to figure out a way that she can have an excuse not to show up to Chicago and Brian can go out there on his own because he stuck his big foot in his mouth so many times. He's probably going to eat the uh, feet of Killer Kelly and filthy Tom Lawler with stomps to the face before he gets choked out. But none of that has anything to do with last night's AEW Dynamite on TBS from the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, and... First things first, before the show, Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara met together. They've agreed to move on from their most recent dispute, according to PW Insider and other sources. Kingston and Guevara sought each other out backstage. They talked. They apologized to each other. They shook hands and agreed that the issues between them are now in the past. So that is that. And maybe we get... Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara, as we were supposed to seemingly get for this all-out show, now with some renewed energy to it, with everybody that's going to be buzzing around about all this, even though we know everything has been put to rest behind the scenes, them being spicy with each other on the microphone, I'm still all for it. So we'll see if they decide to go back to Kingston and Sammy. 
John Moxley started the show by coming out. Raucous reaction in CM Punk's whole hometown of Chicago. Mox told the crowd that he had they had no idea how much it hurt him to see Punk not be the returning hero that the crowd wanted him to be. He said Punk wasn't what anyone wanted him to be when they, quote, gave him a second chance in the greatest sport in the world. It just didn't work out, end quote. But he has zero sympathy for him because he's got a fragile ego, a fragile body, and a fragile mind and spirit. So that said, he's got a contract that's open for anyone, any place, anywhere, anytime. And he threw it down in the middle of the ring and got out of there and was gone. And at that point, the camera then switched to the announce desk. So Excalibur and Taz and Jim Ross could run down the rest of the show. And as they started to do that, Ace Steel who works for AEW, and as many people know, one of the original Second City Saints, alongside Punk and Cole Cabana, the trainer of those two men. He came out, got into the ring, got the contract, was very upset, stuck it in his pocket, stormed back to the back. We then go to a promo with Chris Jericho that was interrupted by Daniel Garcia. Garcia apologized to Jericho for his immaturity last week and says he's got a lot of respect for Chris Jericho. And he tells Jericho that he believes in him. And he believes that Jericho can defeat Brian Danielson on Sunday without having to resort to dirty tricks. Jericho says all is fair in Wrestle and Romance. References his days working for Genshiro Tenru's group in, in Japan. And there's a story in Jericho's book, uh, the uh, Around the World in Spandex one, where I, there's a story about Tenru that I'm going to, uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to read the book again tonight, and I'm going to figure out a way to actually say this on the air tomorrow without without getting bleeped too many times but it's a it's certainly a unique one uh that led into chris jericho or i'm sorry chris jericho against grace uh, jake hager brian danielson against jake hager and look it's jake hager uh he's not exactly the most dynamic presence in the ring but when you're in there with brian danielson he brings your game up and i thought it was a very solid match william regal and chris jericho were both at the commentary table I believe that Regal told Excalibur uh, that he was going to sop him up with a biscuit. He didn't put it in those terms, but I, I had a feeling that's what, what he meant. But I thought it was, a, a again, it was a good match to which Danielson got the victory. Afterwards, Menard and Parker ran down, which caused Claudio and Wheeler Yuta to come down, and they fought every, you know, they fought back off in the crowd, and that ended up leaving Brian Danielson in the ring by himself trying to recover. As his back was turned, Chris Jericho ran down from the commentary table, chair in hand, went to go after Brian Danielson, but he was stopped by Daniel Garcia, who said, Chris, you don't need this. You just don't need this stuff. Jericho was, of course, upset. He turns around into a knee strike from Brian Danielson, laying him out. Danielson, of course, has a big grin across his face as he walks by Daniel Garcia on the way back to the locker room. Garcia, he looks upset. He knows he screwed up. But then again, he's also looking at Jericho, knowing that Jericho probably screwed up bringing that chair down there. We'll see how this whole thing plays out. It's going to end up at some point, I hope, with Daniel Garcia choking out Chris Jericho. But I thought that was a really good segment. Really nice match to actually start the show. Afterwards, 
when we got back from a break, the wingmen were standing in the ring. Ryan Nemeth had the mic with J.D. Drake and Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi, and they were holding protest signs saying they demanded more TV time. Long story short here, W. Morrissey's music hit, and he came down to the ring, quickly cleared it out. As he was doing this, a very intrigued-looking Stokely Hathaway made his way down to the ring, and after Cass had cleared everybody out of it, Stokely handed him one of his business cards. They left together. Tony Schiavone tried to stomp uh, Stokely on the ramp and ask him, you know, what's going on with all these business cards you're handing out? Stoke didn't take too kindly to this, said it was none of his business. When Tony said, hey, it's national TV, it is my business, Stokely snatched him up. Tony couldn't do anything back because W. Morrissey started to menace him, and that was that. Even though that crowd was chanting Tony, he wasn't going to make another move. So it looks as if Stokely Hathaway's crew is getting a little bit bigger, and it's a, a motley crew right now with some of the cards he's been handing out. It's going to be interesting to see uh, exactly what this crew looks like by the time that he's done, but he's got his monster and W. Morrissey coming in. Alex Marvez then interviewed Will Ospreay and Aussie Open in the locker room, and that's when Don Callis walked in, and he did a hell of a job gassing up Ospreay, saying he's not the next Kenny Omega. He's his own man. He's Will by God Ospreay. He did throw a little shade in there, noting that he did get pinned by the one-wing angel the only time that he and Kenny Omega faced off in a singles match, so he got a little bit of shade in there. But the way things are going right now, with the big baby faces to the crowd that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are, where does Don Callis fit into all this? Don Callis, with connections to New Japan Pro Wrestling, what is he thinking about all this stuff? He's a very devious man, that Don Callis is, so I have a feeling this is a situation that we me, might want to keep an eye on. We got a pre-tape package of Kip Sabian and Pac. The two will face off of the All-Atlantic Championship coming up at All Out. Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm then defeated Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. All four of these women will be involved in the interim women's title match coming up on Sunday. Britt went for the glove, and when she did, and this was a great shot, she went down to get the glove. The camera focused in on Reba or Rebel putting it on her hand. And as she did, you see Sheeta in the background jump up to the top rope, and then all you see is a foot in Britt Baker's face laying her out. Sheeta ends up getting the pin. I thought this was a really good match. I don't know what direction they're going to go on Sunday. You know, there's money to me in Jamie Hayter against Britt Baker. The problem is they're such a good unit together, and I'm thinking Tony Storm comes out of this match on Sunday with the championship. You can tease some tension with Britt and Jamie, but you can still have another Tony-Jamie Hater match. You can still have some things going on there where you can keep Baker and Hater together and maybe hold Storm off for Rose as you can continue to tell the stories. But last night was a great example. You just watch Jamie Hater in there, and she's going a zillion miles an hour. Again, no offense to anybody else, but you know the amount of effort she puts into moves outside the ring and putting her body on the line and how good everything looks. Big fan of Jamie Hader there and again. You know the four women that they have here. I know there were some people that were you know 
kind of taking shots at Sheeta's reaction coming back last week, saying she didn't get much of a reaction, and it was a little bit more disappointing, but I think we heard it this week. You know, she's back now. As long as she's treated with respect and in the mix, you're going to get the fans back behind her. She's got natural charisma, so guy with a ton of charisma, Miro, standing in the shadows still. Miro is the one guy in pro wrestling where – when it comes to these promos, I don't need to see him wrestle. I love these promos that he keeps having. I think he's great doing them. Darby Allen came out. This was very interesting. Very interesting to point out. Darby Allen pointed out to Malachi Black that Brody King and Buddy Matthews don't need him. Anytime that Brody King's been wrecking shop, Malachi hasn't been around. Sting comes out to say that it's showtime. They leave, and then Miro stands alone to say he's going to wreck fools and pagans. They'll come in wearing their masks of fear, and they'll be leaving wearing masks of oxygen. If they do, hopefully they don't put them on the foreheads like they did of, like with MJF. We then got CM Punk's promo where he came out to the... And everybody's heard about this already. He came out looking disheveled, came out looking disappointed. He said he was hurt. He broke his foot. He was disappointed. He had to, you know, the, he had to be on the shelf for a while. Then he comes back against Moxley and he fails and he hurts his foot again. And no, it's not that bad. He could still continue to wrestle, but man, he's all inside of his feelings bag. And that's when Ace Steel came out and said, look, you know, we talked backstage. He had that contract in his pocket. He see, he had it ready to go for Moxley. And Moxley's just now changing his mind. Now he's feeling bad about himself. He figures he can't do it anymore. Uh-uh. He fires up Moxley. He, he fires up uh, CM Punk, snatched him up, dropped an F-bomb, and which, by the way, I think was the only curse on the show, which gave it even more impact because it sounded like it slipped out. It sounded like a mistake. If it wasn't a mistake, and again, if it was a mistake, well, okay, it was natural. If it wasn't a mistake, it came across perfectly. And long story short, CM Punk signed the contract uh, by Ace Steel doing the Sam Kinison, sign it, sign it to CM Punk as if, you know, Punk was Rodney Dangerfield and back to school. I got a little bit of a pop out of that. But CM Punk went into the crowd, said that Moxley wasn't going to be the one that kills him. He signs the contract. That's that. We move on to a sit down between Christian Cage and Jungle Boy. It was very, very close. But it was the best of Jungle Boy because of the situation that it was, because it had a chance to be edited and because the only, he didn't have a chance to wander. He didn't have a chance to meander. Bottom line is, when Christian Cage, he doesn't know if he ever actually cared for him or not, but when it comes to Sunday night, he ain't getting Jungle Boy. He's getting Jack Perry, which I'm sure made Jim Ross very happy sitting there hearing that. FTR and Wardlow killed Silas Young, Ren Jones, and Vic Capri. Silas Young wasn't even in the match whatsoever. When we got back from break, John Moxley accepted the challenge of CM Punk. We then went into a locker room interview with the Dark Order in which Andrade offered Evil Uno and 10 jobs. When they turned him down, they attacked both of them. Evil Uno was going to fill in for 10 in the Trios Tag Team Championship match coming up or in the Tag Team Title Tournament. Because he couldn't do that, Alex Reynolds and John Silver were wondering what they were going to do when Hangman Page stopped by and said... You know, if you need a friend, I'm right here for you. So he'll be the one teaming up on Friday night when that crew goes and battles the best friends. Get into the final two matches on the show when we get back from break. Wrestling Observer Live.
Back on the show, Mike Sempervivi here with you, Wrestling Observer Live. Put a bow on this AEW Dynamite show. Wheeler Yuta won a four-way match against Dante Martin, Ray Phoenix, and Arush to earn a spot in the casino ladder match on Sunday night. Look at those four names in the match, and it would be everything that you thought it was. Moves flying all over the place, and then Wheeler Yuta ends up getting the victory by reversing an arm drag of Dante Martin into the leg trap seatbelt submission to get the victory. And that was that, the main event of the show. Trios title tournament semifinals. Will Ospreay and Aussie open against the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And, of course, as you already know, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega got the victory any time that Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay were, were in the ring with each other. It was amazing. Omega ended up hitting the one-winged angel on Kyle Fletcher to get the victory. But that was wild. And it... Again, Aussie Open was awesome. There's nothing against the Young Bucks, but every time that Osprey and uh, and Kenny Omega touched, the crowd was electric. We will be seeing that match in AEW. We will see that match in New Japan. I can't believe that it won't happen at some point whenever Kenny Omega and all that stuff, he's able to go over there. We're sure to see it. And I know down the line we're going to see that match here in the States on an AEW show as the main event or... Well, again, it might as well be the main event because I'm not sure what's going to be able to follow it. So I'm not sure what follows this show on Sports Byline USA, but it's an always always a good idea to stay tuned in. If you're not tuned into Sports Byline USA, you can stay tuned in to WrestlingObserver.com where you will find all of the news and information you need to know in professional wrestling, including the status of Brian Alvarez as he makes his way to Chicago. We'll let you know if any tragedy befalls him uh, as it seems to be happening to Billy Starks' car. (laughs) Salute your producer, Don, producer, John. Salute everybody out there for listening. We shall talk to you again after a while. Goodbye, everybody. You have been listening to the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process with superior materials craftsmanship best in class warranty morton buildings are made to last for generations at morton the difference is in the details from their cutting edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field they are dedicated to surpassing expectations their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years and morton buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process. 
starting before the walls even go up. Visit MortonBuildings.com to get started today.